Hi, I'm Tyler. And I'm Haley. And welcome to The The Cry Cry Club. Club. Hey, my friends, this is Haley. Welcome back to episode two of The Cry Club. If you're new here, which everyone is, we're so happy to have you. And we thought we'd kick off episode two of this podcast with most embarrassing stories. First, though, we thought we'd do a little segment that we're going to do at the beginning of every episode of things that made us cry this week. We thought it was fitting for a cry club to do that. Do you want to start us off? Sure. Okay, so first thing that made me cry is that I watched a video on TikTok about a dog named Tubbs. Tubbs was the dog's name. That's what made me cry. What did he look like? I'm imagining an English bulldog. He was, I think he was, or she was a pit bull. Like a really cute black pit bull who was super friendly and she waited by the fence for people to pet her. There was also a video of people who wouldn't pet her because she was a pit bull. So the owner put out a sign that said, Tubbs is friendly and would love a pet. And that's what made me cry was the sign that said, Tubbs is friendly (laughs) and wanted a pet. Tubbs was so cute. Oh my gosh, I love it. Okay. Okay, this week I, I went to my aunt's house. She lives like an hour and a half north of us. And when I was a college student, I would go up and visit her and my uncle and their kids a bunch just to kind of get out of the college town. And we haven't, you know, life gets busy and we had Monday off. So we took the train up there and we went to her house. I felt that relieving feeling of not being an adult, you know, Mm -hmm. when you can just feel like you can revert to being a little bit less responsible. It just feels good to be taken care of. Yeah. And that makes me happy that you feel that way with your aunt. When I go to relatives' houses, I feel like I'm a burden or I'm putting them right. out. Yeah. So that's so nice. I know. It's pretty unique. Okay. You're so nice. Give us your second one. My second one is that I read the book Between Shades of Grey. Okay. I'm very curious about this because when I saw that you put this on the outline, I was like, <laughs> <Yeah>. um... <laughs> what? (laughs) I know. It sounds so similar to like the 50 Shades of Grey book, but it's totally different. It's by Ruta Septis and it's about the Lithuanian genocide actually. Oh my gosh. Okay. It's like World War II. It's just, I don't know, a genocide that is way less talked about and literally thousands and thousands and thousands of Lithuanians were taken to labor camps in Siberia and they weren't found until 15 years after the war ended. Holy cow. So, or 10 years actually, 10 years after the war ended. Absolutely brutal. That book made me cry. Why aren't we talking about this? I think that's why she writes books. She has a lot of historical fiction books where she interviews a bunch of people who lived through it and then she compiles and creates a story. So this one is about a girl named Lena. But prepare yourself because it starts off hard and it ends hard and the whole in between is hard. Okay, my second one is kind of boring. Uh, I was at work yesterday and I was sitting trying to make a PowerPoint for someone and I was so tired that I started to cry. (laughs) (laughs) That is not boring. That's relatable. (laughs) Just It was just one of those moments where you're like, all I want to do right now is curl up in a ball like not even on a bed not even on the couch I was sitting on like there was a corner in the room that I was like that corner looks completely acceptable (laughs) I just want to lay down there please anyway okay so corners looking real nice right about now Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay, so we'd love to hear about what made you cry this week. You can head over to the cryclubpodcast.com and you can 
submit one of your... Submit your cries. Yeah, submit your cries. Okay, now getting into the good stuff, embarrassing moments. So before we read submitted stories, Tyler did some research on what would you describe it as? The psychology behind what makes us feel embarrassed? Yeah, I mean, that makes it sound maybe a little bit more professional and profound than it's going to be. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, something like that. I'm really curious about this. So I'm really excited to hear what Tyler's come up with. This is not going to be earth shattering, but I found a couple of things interesting when I was looking up. Why do we get embarrassed? Why do those butterflies start and then our face turns red? And why is it different for different people? Embarrassment is usually triggered by an event, pretty self-explanatory, but these events or embarrassing events can't be narrowed down to an objective list because what makes something embarrassing is based on our own cognitive appraisal of the situation. So in other words, events are only embarrassing because of the beliefs we hold about behavior. So what's embarrassing for a teenager living in the United States might not be embarrassing for that same teenager living in Japan or Brazil or Uganda or you name the place. So when I was doing this, you know, mini research and was thinking about the importance of cultural context, I remembered a story that my mother and father-in-law told me about when they were living in Thailand and I got their permission to share. They were at a formal gathering with members of the government. Um, It was very fancy, you know, it was at this really posh place. There's a live band and they decided to go up and start dancing. And so then my father-in-law decides to uh, give my mother-in-law a good twirl and she ends up falling. And so they both start giggling, right? Because yeah, it was awkward. They got the giggles and they laughed it off and they started dancing again. And then they realized that the room had gone quiet and they looked around and everyone was stony faced and trying not to make eye contact with them. They left the party. They were a little bit confused. After leaving, they were they learned a little bit more about Thai culture and this idea that if you do something embarrassing, you essentially like lose all of your dignity. Or in English, you might say like, oh, they lost face. And so apparently when you do something considered highly embarrassing, instead of laughing at it, you pretend it didn't happen. Because if you laugh at it, you're acknowledging that something embarrassing happened. And if you acknowledge that something embarrassing happens, you're also acknowledging that that person doesn't have any dignity. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting because it goes to show like how much culture influences the way that we think about embarrassment. So researchers propose two reasons why someone might deem an event embarrassing within their cultural context. So first, because they're worried about the perception of others. We start getting stressed when we're trying to guess how our words or actions have affected the way another person sees us, especially if it's someone we're trying to impress like a crush or a boss. However, this doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. So what about when you win an award and your face turns red and you avoid eye contact as you walk onto the stage and accept your certificate? The perception of this event would be widely regarded as positive. So why the embarrassment? Where does the embarrassment come from? So the late John Sabini, a professor of psychology who used to work at the University of Pennsylvania, proposes that embarrassment might not be caused because you're worried about making a bad impression, but because you don't know what to do next. And that rang really true to me. If I don't have a planned escape from a party or like a planned reaction and I'm caught off guard, then sometimes that can be the most awkward kind of moment. 
100%. So along that vein, we thought we would share some of our own embarrassing stories as well as some submissions from our friends and followers uh, with the added bonus of telling you how we would handle the embarrassing situation. Okay, Haley is going to bless us all with her most embarrassing story that I actually hadn't heard until last week. So I'm super excited to hear it again. It's very bad. The intellectual part of the podcast is over and now we're getting into stories. So my most embarrassing story, one of my most embarrassing stories, me and Tyler were actually roommates at the time. We had both made a pact that we were going to try and dare greatly. If you know who Renee Brown is, you know that daring greatly is a big thing for her. It's basically putting yourself outside your comfort zone. I was walking around on my college campus and I saw this boy out who was taking a poll. He was trying to get people to sign a petition and I thought he was cute. In an effort to dare greatly, I was like, I'm going to flirt. That's me getting out of my comfort zone. I'm going to flirt. I'm going to get this guy's number or get him to ask me out. When he kind of turned towards me to ask if I wanted to sign the petition, I was like, yeah, sure. I honestly don't even remember what the petition was out. I would have signed it no matter what it was. But I was (laughs) writing my name down and we were just like having small talk. There are three bad things that happened and they each get progressively worse. So the first bad thing that happened is when I was signing my name and I was writing it down, he was like, oh, I forgot to ask you, are you registered to vote? And I was like... Yeah, I am. And then I did finger guns at him. So there's number one. I don't know why I did the finger guns. I was so embarrassed. Maybe it was, I wasn't prepared for him to ask me if I was registered to vote. Are you kidding me? So we kept going and I tried to play it off. My face is bright red. Important little background really quick. This was in spring. So it's really cold in the mornings, but by afternoon it's hot. So I had a big winter coat that was slung over the strap of my backpack because I wasn't wearing it. It was warm in the afternoon. And while I had been talking to him, I didn't notice that my coat had fallen on the ground behind me. After I'm done signing, I did the finger gun thing and I was like, this is really bad. I need to get out of here. This is not daring greatly. I feel so dumb. So I turned to go and this is the second bad thing that happens. Instead of saying goodbye to him, I say, happy birthday. (laughs) And then I trip over the coat. That's the third bad thing. And I fall flat on my hands and knees on the ground after saying happy birthday to him. Panicked, I pick up my coat and I ran away from him. Okay, so I would like to hear from you since we're trying to give our two cents on how to handle embarrassing situations. In retrospect, how do you wish you would have handled your happy birthday finger gun cope situation? Honestly, I think that contrary to Thai culture, owning it or acknowledging that you're being awkward in that situation would have been the best way to get out of the embarrassment. When I had done finger guns, I could have just laughed and been like, I have no idea why I just did finger guns. I don't do that normally. You know, I could have just claimed it. And then when I said happy birthday and I tripped, am I on something? Am I okay? Like, I don't know why I said that. So I could have just claimed it and acknowledging it. I will say that running away is probably the worst I could have <laughs> But here's the thing is that I have no idea why I said happy birthday. I think I had a stroke. You know, my mouth was moving and that was coming out and my brain was like, what is happening? Like, why are you saying that? <laughs> so I think that the panic of it all was why I ran away, but there were definitely better ways to react. Was, I was possessed. It was an out of It was a demon. <laughs> okay, now Tyler's most embarrassing story or one of them. Okay, this comes from the seventh grade. I think about it regularly. My family talks about it regularly. Um, I was a very naive and innocent 12, 13-year-old. I was standing in line with my friend who had 
a last name that was really unique. And then this other kid who started teasing her about her last name. He started pronouncing it incorrectly and that made me pretty upset because I just felt like that was unacceptable, rude, and unjust behavior. This boy, his name was Dylan Duke. And so I thought that I would be really funny and give him a taste of his own medicine by mispronouncing his last name. So I turn and look at him and I say, how would you feel if instead of calling you Dylan Duke, someone called you Dylan Dick? And everyone's faces just fell and I thought, got him. The justice had been served. I said his name wrong. It caught him off guard. He didn't know what to do with himself. But that was all you thought, right? It yes. wasn't that you knew what you had said. Correct. You just thought it was wrong and that's why he was burned. Correct. I was pretty proud of myself. So I went home and I told my mom and was like, you are not going to believe I stood up for the little guy today. You know, I made someone pay for their poor behavior and I called Dylan Duke, Dylan Dick and her face turned bright <laughs> red. <laughs> And she asked me if I knew what that word meant, and I didn't. And she told me, and I just felt my stomach drop out of my body. <laughs> I was like, I never would have said that to him. I felt so horrible. He probably thinks I'm a terrible person. And when I did apologize to him, I feel like it sort of made it worse because his face turned bright red again, and he said it was no big deal. And I don't think he believed that I didn't know what the word dick meant. And then it just kind of made it worse. Should I have left it alone? Should I have apologized? I think that the way, because I think that you had kind of, you had built a little bit of a reputation for yourself at that point. Also, you're you're in middle school, so it's not like the word was something that no one had ever heard before. Obviously, everyone knew what it meant, but you, right? So if you had just said that and left it alone, they would have kind of been like, okay, Tyler Prince, like she's got she's got some balls. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't mess with Tyler. Don't mess with Tyler's friends. The more I'm reflecting on this story over the last 24 hours and thinking about how awkward the apology actually was. Yeah, maybe that wasn't the move. <laughs> also, just for the sake of clarity, we did change his first name. Okay, so now that we've shared our embarrassing stories, we are on to submissions. I think one thing we wanted to mention is that we actually ended up with way more submissions than we were initially anticipating. And for the sake of time, we had to narrow them down. So if you submitted a story and you don't hear it here first, know that we loved reading them and we're super grateful you took the time to do that. We would love for you to keep submitting stories and hopefully you can understand kind of the time constraint that we're working under. Okay, story number one. They say, there was a person in my friend group that I had a crush on for quite a while. After some time, we finally went out on a date. The date went well. Well enough that we watched, in quotation marks, a movie afterwards. Snuggling led to a makeout sesh. It was very exciting for me until about 30 minutes later. The lights came on and we realized our faces were covered in blood. My blood. From a bloody nose. Word spread to the rest of our friend group and this didn't lead to a second date. Until two years later. We were planning on meeting up one night at Fat Cats after I got off work. Which, is that a universal location or is that just a know. Utah thing? It's a bowling alley. Okay. I changed out of work clothes in an empty parking lot. While I was changing, I put my phone on top of my car, completely forgot about it, and drove off. When I got to Fat Cats, I tried to call my date, but then realized I didn't have my phone. 
The parking lot that I changed in wasn't far, so I drove back to see if I could find it. As I was driving back, I saw a homeless guy walk into the middle of the street to pick something up, then walk away. I rolled down my window and asked if he had seen a phone. He said no. I didn't think anything of it until I was tracing the path I drove when I was leaving the parking lot. I found some broken glass from a phone right where the homeless guy picked something up. I chased the guy down. He was a few blocks away at this point. I told him to give me my phone back, which included a phone case with my ID and credit card. Luckily, he didn't fight me on it and gave me the phone. It was completely broken, so I wasn't going to be able to get a hold of my date. But I went back to Fat Cats, optimistic that I was going to still find her. I didn't. I ended up going back to my apartment to message my date on Facebook to find an iMessage explaining how they hated me for standing them up and that I was to blame for the car accident they got in <laughs> when leaving the parking lot of Fat Cats. We both took these two experiences as a sign that it just wasn't meant to be. <laughs> the funny thing about this story, this is not the first Make Out Bloody Nose story I've heard. Do you remember that one? Yes. From that I told you? Yes. <laughs> Here's the thing. This person in this story did something right in that he claimed it as his blood. In another situation that I know of where two people were making out, not me, thank heavens, and they got a bloody nose, neither of them claimed it oh for years gosh. afterwards. It was a story that a bunch of people in our friend group knew and neither of them would claim that the blood was theirs. <laughs> One thing that he did right, he claimed the blood as his own, right? Also, I don't like the word blood. So how how to recover from this? What do you think, Ty? I just feel like there is no need to recover from this. I feel like this is one of those situations where this person did everything they could. The date obviously is important, but if we're talking about your credit card and your ID, I think risking missing your date to go back and get those things would have been more important to me. Yeah. So I think going back to the parking lot was not a bad move. Like that was not a mistake. The, and then I think it just goes to show that this person went to go try to make contact with their date. Like they were going to apologize and take responsibility for what happened. And they did go back to Fat Cats trying to find the person. I think that she should be more embarrassed than he should yes. for that. Yes. I think that that is so embarrassing to message someone and tell them that you hate them. First mm -hmm. off, that's such a funny thing to say to someone you've been out with once before. And that... It's their fault you got in a car crash. Yeah, I just think it's so mature for a college-aged person. I totally agree. So moral of the story, if you are this person, you have nothing to be embarrassed about. And you can rest easy because you did everything right. You did everything you should have done. She should be embarrassed. Yeah, agreed. Okay, on to story number two. It says, One time I was on a date with a guy and we got ice cream. We were joking about me taking a bite of his ice cream, and I was so nervous that I grabbed a spoon from one of those buckets on the ice cream counter and tried his. It was a used spoon. Oh, this is just so gross. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is embarrassing. What? How would you recover from this? I think, again, going back to being able to acknowledge that you did something silly and embarrassing. Even saying, oh my gosh, I am so embarrassed. I guess I'm just so nervous that I wasn't thinking straight. <laughs> I guess you're just like so hot that I got distracted and I grabbed a used spoon. Ew. <laughs> no, just kidding. But yeah, I think that you're right. I think acknowledging it and being like, I feel so grossed out. I can't believe I did that. Acknowledging it. That's the way to go for story number two. Okay. Story number three says, 
Let me set the scene. I was 14 and a half. It was the middle of summer. My best friend, you're already getting my giggles. This one is so bad. So fun. My best friend and I were hanging out with some boys on her front porch, and I happened to really like one of those boys. Anyway, we start sharing funny stories, and my crush tells a super funny one. And because he's my crush, I think it's even funnier. I start laughing hard, and suddenly I feel my bladder lose control. I look down to see P waterfall out of my short shorts. Somehow it didn't seep through the fabric right away. So yes, it was a literal waterfall and create a puddle the size of a manhole right in front of everyone. My friend saw, my crush saw, everyone saw. And to this day, I still cannot look that good in the eye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. This story just kills me. I cannot believe that this happened. I, I know who this person is and they explained to me, It was a pair of thick denim shorts. So literally the pea could not get through the fabric and it went up and out. She was sitting on her butt with her knees up. Yeah, that's what I was imagining. So it just came whoop to create a little waterfall. What do you do? I would cry. That was just so much pee. (laughs) Like if it's the size of a manhole cover, you had to go. It wasn't just that you laughed so hard. Maybe something like a couple drops slipped out. Like This was a full bladder. that's, That's you emptied. Oh, the my tank. Gosh. That's so embarrassing. I actually have no idea how to recover from this. I mean, you have to go clean yourself up, right? So are you yeah. just like getting up and being like, oops, you leave the sorry. Do you go get paper towels to clean it up? But it's outside. It's on a porch though. So you have oh. to clean it up. I have no idea how to recover and I want to hear from this person what they did next. Yeah. I would say Get a diary and a therapist. That's how you recover from this. (laughs) Agreed. They say, at one point in college, I lived in an apartment complex where all of the doors lined up in a row along the sidewalk with an identical row on a balcony above. I had a habit of leaving my keys at home and getting locked out. But with five other roommates, there was usually at least one other person at home to let me in, except this one night. I got home late and the girl two doors down from me was deep into a will they, won't they, linger on the doorstep goodbye with another boy in our complex post-date. I felt the romantic tension from the parking lot and hurried to my door trying to draw as little attention to myself as possible. But of course, the door was locked and I had no way to get in. I knocked softly on the door for a minute or two before starting to bang loudly and call out to my roommates. The couple down the row kept glancing at me. obviously anxious for me to get out of the way and quit ruining the mood. After a minute or two, one of them called out, you okay over there? (laughs) In a panic, I just screamed out, yep, and started desperately trying to break into my apartment through the window. The windowsill was located at about chest height, so after getting the window open and punching out the screen, I hefted myself up, and in an act of absolute grace... I tipped through the window and crashed onto my kitchen floor. I don't know why, but there were pots stacked beneath the window, and they added some real dramatic sound effects to the whole ordeal. It was something straight out of an Amanda Bynes movie. (laughs) The couple immediately ran over to check on me, (laughs) staring through the window at me lying on the floor of my kitchen surrounded by pots. My social anxiety is spiraling out of control. Hopefully for them, it turned into a cute story to tell their future children. I, on the other hand, will never fully recover. I love this one. This one is such a good one. Uh, how how would you recover from this? What's your thoughts? I feel like it would have been more awkward if the couple hadn't come over. Yeah. Like if, if you had crashed <laughs> onto the ground and you know that they heard what had just happened and you just closed the window and just walked away. I feel like the couple coming to the ground or coming to the window allowed for 
a certain level of closure here. You weren't sitting there imagining how they were reacting on the doorstep. You knew because they were staring at you from your window while you were laying on the ground. That's true. That's a good question. Which is better for social anxiety, to know or not to know? Well, I feel like not knowing lets your brain make up all kinds of different scenarios. Although after the couple walks away, she's probably still imagining like what they're talking about and if they're still laughing about her to this day. So solution one, bring your keys. So (laughs) just never leave your apartment without your keys or hide your key. If you know you forget it, just hide it somewhere near your apartment. So then you can just grab it. Yeah. Put it under the mat. Do anything like that. But how to recover from this situation? You could have maybe just gotten up and closed the window right away. Although they probably ran over there pretty quick if they were only one window down. Right, and you're trying to make your way out of a bunch of pots. (laughs) (laughs) I just love the Amanda Bynes reference. That's so accurate. I agree. But don't we all love Amanda Bynes? 2000 to 2010 Amanda Bynes? You know, if you're Amanda Bynes in this situation, maybe you don't need to recover. Maybe you should lean into that Amanda Bynes identity and, you know, just start holding your eyes really wide and straightening your hair. I don't know. (laughs) Whatever you want to do, lean into Amanda Bynes' identity. I love that. Okay, I'm glad you clarified early 2000s Amanda Bynes because we just looked up a current picture of Amanda Bynes. I haven't seen her in a while. She seems unwell. She does. uh, Hope hope you're doing okay, Amanda. (laughs) Okay, story number five says, I told my date I was DTF, thinking it meant down to have fun. This sounds like something I would do. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Did not realize why he seemed so awkward for the rest of the date until the friend who set us up clarified for me what DTF actually means a few days later. Never speak to him again. Yeah, agreed. Never (laughs) speak to him again. Do not apologize. Do not try to clarify. Ignore it. Pretend it never happened. Pretend it never happened. In this case, we will follow the Thai tradition. Yes. Ignoring means no dignity was lost. Ignore, ignore, ignore. Okay, story six. In seventh grade, I had a huge crush on a cute boy named Jeff. Name changed for anonymity. Once after school, my friends and I were standing around and he actually came up to talk to us. I was determined to catch his attention by laughing at his witty jokes. (laughs) Fortunately, he was genuinely funny, so I didn't have to fake it. Unfortunately, I laughed through my nose, and I had a slight cold. So a giant blob of snot came out of one of my nostrils. I thought maybe he wouldn't notice, but I realized he had when he pointed at my face and shouted, Ew! Gross! (laughs) It was not meant to be gross. Oh, this one just hurts my heart. Seventh grade. That's what I was going to say. Why is seventh grade the worst? It's such a tender age. I feel like we had a couple of submissions that specified in the seventh grade. Middle school. Yeah, I thought middle school. That's when I called poor Dylan a dick. So, yeah, <laughs> it is a tender age. It's a, it's a hard age. In seventh grade, I was walking around with my dad's old cell phone. It was a flip phone that he no longer used. And I was... I didn't have a phone until I was like 16 and everyone had a cell phone and I wanted one so bad and I felt so dumb for not having one. So I carried around my dad's old broken flip phone that didn't even turn on and I would have fake conversations on it in the hallway. That is hilarious. So that people could see that I had a phone. Point being, seventh grade is just rough all over and my heart aches for this person. Can we also just say that Jeff, is that the name I said? Mm -hmm. Jeff is a jerk. Yeah, for real. That is so rude. 
that is not on you. That is on him. You can't control that. That is humiliating. Jeff should have offered you like a hanky or something. Yeah, if he were a true gentleman, he would have wiped it off with his sleeve. (laughs) (laughs) Up next, it says, when I was a new bride, starting to feel proud of my cooking abilities, I accidentally food poisoned an entire houseboat of people at Lake Powell. We had been given the last day for meals. My brilliant idea to make the spaghetti sauce ahead of time at home backfired when the fridge power on the houseboat went on and off all week. The dinner tasted fine, but later we all started feeling horrible. All night there were people hurling over the side of the houseboat like a synchronized fountain show. Again and again, I felt the humiliation of knowing it was my fault. Ever after, I was given the first day of meals. When she described the synchronized fountain show, all I could picture was that beginning scene in Ariel. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Where they're having like that big uh, production and they're about to like basically like introduce Ariel or whatever Mm -hmm. in the clamshell. And there's spigots and fountains and colors and lights. And that's what I was imagining on this Lake Powell houseboat. And the fountains were the people's vomit. That's another word I hate. I hate that. I actually have a phobia of throw up. Really? Yeah, I hate it. I can't handle it. If I if I smell it, I will. What about if you see someone throwing up in a movie? I hate that as well. I look away. That is really embarrassing. I mean, it wasn't your fault, at least. It was the fridge power. So that's partly the houseboat's fault. That houseboat should be super embarrassed <laughs> as well. I feel like owning it is also the way to go for yeah, this. Just be I like, I'm so good. sorry. Maybe make like a couple of well-placed jokes at your expense. And at least you got sick too. Okay, story number eight. When I was around 10, I was at cheer and my coach was fixing my handstand technique. She told me to squeeze harder and I farted in her face. Why did I cringe at the word fart? Because in my head, that is still a bad (laughs) word. (laughs) I think we were not allowed to say that growing up. Yeah. And hearing you say that, I was like, oh, yikes. She's swearing swearing (laughs) on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh we weren't allowed to say that either wait remind me what your family said again um we said pete pete <laughs> yes it's the french word for firework so basically every time you passed oh gas you're like oh i had a firework yeah that was like our our code word oh my gosh my family said pass gas oh, very which is so much worse <laughs> than farted yeah just to be like oh i Past gas? Okay, wait, but Nate's is worse. Are you ready? No, yeah, what's Nate's? Nate's family would say, I stinkered. (laughs) (laughs) Haley, they would say, I stinkered. I feel like that's the same. Like the couple who would call each other hubby and wifey. Oh, gross. Would say they stinkered. Yeah, agreed. Oh, my hubby stinkered. There is no worse word than that. Hubby or stinker? Stinkered. <laughs> well, and hubby. I hate hubby. Okay, so you're right. Okay, also, I think we should keep in mind with the story that she was 10 years old. Yeah. This is a little bit different than being on the high school varsity cheer team. Okay, in my head, I was picturing her as a high schooler for some reason. Yeah. And though I read that as a 10-year-old. So, yeah, if you're 10, you don't need to recover from this. It's mm-hmm. just a little 10-year-old fart. They're yeah. not adult farts yet. You're okay. Yeah. You don't need no to recovery. recovery. No, no recovery. No recovery needed. Are we on nine? I think we got kind of out of order, so maybe it's nine. Maybe it's not. All right. It says, I was on my way to Utah from southern Colorado, and we drove through Page, Arizona. 
If you've ever been to Page or around that area, you know that it's like a two-lane highway with nothing around for a long time. So about 30 minutes outside of Page, I start feeling really sick, like started sweating, stomach cramping, need a bathroom ASAP type of sick. By some miracle, I make it to the Maverick and Page. If you've ever been to Lake Powell, you know the one. I rush into the bathroom and see that all but two stalls are out of order. I run into one of them before it's almost too late and end up spending about 15 minutes in that stall. While I'm in there, I hear more and more women get in line and start chatting with each other. One woman turns to another and says, poor thing, she must be really sick in there. (laughs) As I am very loudly and obviously tearing up this bathroom, I finally start feeling a little better and muster up the courage to leave when I notice a line of at least 10 women waiting to use the restroom, one of them being my own mom. As I go to wash my hand, my mom, my hands, her hand, <laughs> only one of them, <laughs> my mom completely ignores me and then continued to pretend she did not know who I was. I went back out into the car and waited for her. And when she got back, we laughed about how embarrassing it was and how she was not about to claim me as hers in that situation. Good to know mother's love really isn't completely unconditioned. <laughs> I have a couple of questions about the bathroom. Number one, what do you do if you know you're leaving the toilet in poor condition and there's someone about to come in afterward? If it's in a condition that you can fix, like I've never understood people who leave stuff like all over the seat. Like if you've got stuff anywhere, clean it up. Right. I don't even know how that happens, how it gets anywhere, but clean it up. You don't leave stuff lying around. That's the first thing. Agreed. If it's a smell. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering about. What do you do if you leave a smell? And someone's about to come in after you. I say ignore. 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 Okay. I mean, how? I mean, think about the situation in reverse. If you were going into a stall that someone had just laid a brick in, <laughs> would you want them coming out? Would you want them to be like, careful? Because then it leaves you with in the position of having to respond. True. To and then you're the one with poop. the awkward. And situation. then you're embarrassed because you're not expecting someone to acknowledge their poop and be like, I man, careful! It really stinks in there. And then you have to be like. Uh, oh, it's fine. Like, what do you, you know, you have to come up with something to say back to that. So I say, ignore. Give a little wave if you have to. Shrug your shoulders, maybe. <laughs> Throw your hands up. <laughs> okay. You know, but don't acknowledge it. Don't say okay. anything. Um, second question. What do you do if someone tries to come into a bathroom stall while you are in it? I was just oh, thinking about this this week. and so embarrassing. That came to mind while reading this. How do you handle that situation? I usually say one minute. I don't know. What are the other options? Someone's in here. Yeah. (laughs) Occupied. (laughs) I just feel like usually when that happens, it takes me so off guard. And that first I'm like jumping off the seat to make sure it's locked. Yes. And then I'm saying something completely unintelligible. Like, again, going back to being able to plan for a situation. Yeah. I need like a go-to phrase. So the next thing that happens, I say something that actually makes sense. Yeah. I say, I just say one minute. Okay. All right. I like that. I'm in here. I'm in, I'm in here. Jacob. Tyler Prince is in here. <laughs> uh, Jacob was telling me about this time he was in a bathroom and it didn't lock. So the whole time he was going, he was just holding it closed with his hand and people kept on coming and trying to push it open. Oh. <laughs> so he was like holding it. And I feel like that's so much worse because like you have to like they get it open an inch and you have to shove back against it like that's just so awkward really i can't awkward. stand that i would not be able to use the bathroom in peace if i were trying to hold the door closed yeah it's already so hard in public as it is oh yes 
Okay, so the next story. When I was in seventh grade, again, seventh grade, all of these have been seventh grade. When I was in seventh grade, I was cripplingly insecure and obsessed with what I deemed the popular kids at my school. One of my friends from childhood was one of these popular kids. And one day she invited me to a party with her and all of her friends. I went to the party and felt immediately awkward around all these flirtatious, outgoing kids. They started playing soccer in the background, and I, of course, did not participate. I sat on the trampoline with one other girl and said absolutely nothing. At one point, the ball was kicked over to us, and the most popular boy asked me to throw it back to him. I picked up the ball and threw it over to a patch of grass 20 feet away from him. Seriously, it was not even close. I threw it barely in his general direction and came up way short. He had to pretty much walk the whole way that it had been kicked to get it from me. Everyone saw it, and I still cringe thinking about it many years later. This story brought up a really sad sports-related story. Tyler's trauma. It's her sports-related trauma. There's so (laughs) many sports-related Like Any PE experience, I've had to work through because they were just all traumatic. Can we talk about how awful dodgeball is for a second that's the worst PE sport it's the most terrifying because you don't know what to do like there's there's no way to get out of it without embarrassment if you are someone who is not great at dodgeball Mm -hmm. because scenario one you hang back which is usually the option that I would pick right so you would hang back and you wouldn't get in the mess of all of the boys or whoever is running up to the middle line to grab all the balls and start chucking them mm-hmm. as hard as they can. So you don't want to be in that group because if you run up and then you throw a ball and it's a really bad throw, humiliating, right? So you hang back. Mm-hmm. But then all the boys who are up at the front get out. Mm-hmm. And then you and then are left. left. Like, I can't tell you how many times in PE I was the only one left facing an entire team against me. And everyone was yelling at me from the sidelines to like, catch a ball to like try and get someone in. Or, or like you have to, and they're telling you to throw balls. And now everyone's watching you. It's just bad. So may, maybe actually the strategy in dodgeball is to get out early, but you can't get out too early because then whenever someone catches a ball, you're back in. Shoot. That is a very good point. And then you're stuck with the same dilemma. Yep. Maybe get out once several people have gotten out. Like let the first wave of really eager kids get out. And then you get out in the second wave. So you're not left in the third. In the last wave. We've solved the dodgeball solved dilemma. the dodgeball dilemma. Okay, now let's let's hear Tyler's my kickball trauma. Her kickball trauma. So I decided one day, like a friend invited me to come play kickball. We had this big field that was by the like playset in elementary school, and so I had never tried to play kickball before during recess, and decided to go with my friend, and I got distracted, probably looking at like the flowers or like picking stuff out of the grass. And someone kicked the ball and it flew straight at me and hit me square in the face. <laughs> and everyone started booing me. They, no. They were like, boo, boo, because I didn't catch it and get the person out. I just slowly walked away from the field. Like I just like didn't even pick up the ball, just slowly started walking away. You didn't pick up the ball? No, I was so embarrassed. And I just got hit in the face. And everyone was booing me. Oh, my gosh. It was, so, it was really embarrassing. I, okay, I feel like the worst thing you could have done in that situation, you didn't do. Which would have been to boo them back. <laughs> which what? Is, Maybe that would have been a funny thing to do. No, it's so, that's so awkward. Like, 
I feel like we we all knew that kid in middle school who like would get really really defensive and then it but they weren't good at being angry and attacky Mm -hmm. and I'm sorry but you're not very good at being a villain you're not very good at being angry and attacky it's just so much better that you didn't boo back if they booed you and you were like no boo you pulled like a happy Gilmore (laughs) on them like it would have made you not only bad at sports but it would have made you the weird girl yeah you know that's true so you didn't do the worst thing so like take a deep breath and know like you could have handled it worse that's true wow that was very healing thank you (laughs) okay our last story of the episode she says several years ago i decided to join a crossfit gym as an older mom who has given birth multiple times and is out of shape I lack bladder control when I sneeze hard or bounce up and down. (laughs) Apparently, CrossFit puts a whole new level of stress on those muscles. During a grueling repetition of jumps up and off a box, I felt it start. And as we moved to the floor for sit-ups, it couldn't be stopped. I soon found myself in a puddle of my own pee with completely soaked leggings. Excusing myself to use the bathroom, which was not entirely needed because I'd already emptied my bladder, I tried to soak up what I could before sheepishly returning to class with my jacket tied around my waist. I'm sure everyone knew, and I'm just grateful no one slipped on the huge wet spot I left behind. I injured my foot soon afterwards, so thankfully I haven't had to face that group of people since. But I think of my humiliation every time I see the pink package under my bathroom sink. In parentheses, the incontinence pads that I bought after that experience. I feel like this should not cause embarrassment. I mean, I get that it does, right? Yes. Obviously, I'm not a mother who has had children, but this is like a universal experience where women have kids and then they do not have the same level of bladder control. So instead of this being embarrassing, why doesn't the CrossFit gym have a tray of incontinence pads for you in the bathroom, right? Or why don't we make workout shorts that are absorbent? Or why can't we all just be like, oh my gosh, it happened to you today too. Here's the Clorox wipes I keep in my bag for this very incident. Girl code, keep Clorox wipes in your bag. Also, something this made me think of is in high school, while I was running track, girls would pee their pants all the time running Mm -hmm. races Mm -hmm. so like especially girls who did longer races like the 800 or the mile or Mm -hmm. something by the end of it several of them had peed their pants and I don't know what how this happened but it was like a status symbol like if you peed your pants you were cool like you were like oh my gosh like I I ran so hard that I peed my pants so this person for this story if it makes you feel any better if you had done this in high school you would have been top dog I think she handled it the best she could. Yes. I just think there should be a better system in place. Yes. Well, we feel super lucky that you decided to spend a little bit of your day with us um, and that we could go through some of these submissions and share some of our own stories. So thanks again to everyone who was willing to submit a story. And if yours wasn't read, we hope you'll submit again next time. In my Google search, I came across a psychologist who was talking a little bit about dealing with embarrassment and what they recommended. And they stated, owning up to and speaking out feelings of embarrassment into existence is a great way to stop them from spiraling into darker, deeper emotions. This is so true. And I feel like this applies to more than just embarrassment. When you're dealing with a difficult emotion, being able to give it a name makes it 
separate from who you are as a human being and allows you to process it a little bit better. And then the person goes on to say that it creates honesty in personal relationships and helps people get a sense of if they are overthinking something. When I'm willing to let someone in on an embarrassing moment like we did today, it definitely fosters more intimacy in a relationship, don't yeah. you think? Oh, totally. And it also makes you realize that you are not the only one who has experienced something humiliating. And it makes you feel a lot better. Really, all of you who submitted stories, you are all practicing such healthy mental attitudes. Yeah, you are. Healthy mental practices. Congratulations. Thanks again for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review if you are listening. If you would like to stay up to date on our episodes and our stories. Our Instagram is the cry club podcast and our website is the cry And that's where you can submit stories and look at prompts and stuff. New episodes every Tuesday. And if you're new here this week, welcome to the club.